0: 25 years on the PGA Tour and a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Jay Delsing brings you his perspective on one of the world's greatest games as a professional golfer and network broadcaster. It's the game that connects the pros and the average Joes. Brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Golf with Jay Delsing is now on 101 ESPN.
1: Good morning. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Delsing. With me is my longtime friend and caddy, John Perlis. Perlis, how you doing this morning?
2: Doing just fine, Jay. Ready to go for this show.
1: Great. We have formatted the show just like a round of golf. This first segment is called On the Range. And um uh, man, I am really, really excited to um to tell you that um we've got an interview with David Faraday. I can't wait to share this with uh to be able to get down to get to sit around and talk to him and uh you know, how many times have you sat with somebody when you absolutely have no idea what might come out next?
2: I don't know. That sounds intimidating, exciting. Um I mean, it's kind of like what you like though, a little bit of shooting from the hip. This is this could be you guys are a pretty good match. I know you guys are buddies.
1: Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Uh, th- th- not only did he have a great, you know, golf career and and uh done wonderful stuff in the media, but he's got his troops first foundation. He's uh supporting the wounded uh, uh heroes these men and women that come back from from war in a big way and i've had a small little part of that so it's it's really exciting for me I, and i can't wait to uh get our listeners to kind of get a front row seat with david Ferdy
2: absolutely i'm i'm excited for the show and the listeners
1: well uh i've got man i came across this story a couple of weeks ago i'm not sure if you folks have heard of valentino dixon but um If you haven't, you got to Google this guy. Valentino Dixon was serving 27 years of a life sentence that just recently was vacated. And what vacated means, and I learned this myself, was vacated means that he was let go and exonerated completely because some other person, along with matching DNA, was found to cause this crime. He was serving a life sentence for murder— And he was let out of prison after 27 years. But what's really cool about this is that when he was first in prison, he he talks about being so sad, so depressed, just suicidal all the time. Someone slipped an old copy of Golf Digest magazine Mm. in front of him, and he he, he, he readily admitted he was not a great young man. He did not have a great start to his life. He was not looking like anyone that anybody should really care about, frankly. And he didn't know one thing about golf. And he looks at this Golf Digest, and for whatever reason, the pictures of the golf course started speaking to him and started Mm -hmm. becoming meaningful to him. And he started painting. And he said it absolutely. He owes it to golf that golf saved his life. Mm. And the story is absolutely fascinating. So... I'll play a little bit of this out for you, but you really need to check it out. So life in prison, he says he's innocent, like everybody else in prison says they're innocent. Um this young woman gets wind of his story from Australia, this Australian woman, and um um a friend uh of Valentino said, Do you mind if Valentino emails you? you know, and uh she said, Nah, what's it gonna hurt? So they start communicating. He sends her his entire case records and shows her, you know, why he thinks he's innocent. Well, to make a long story short, these guys start a relationship and fall in love. They get married while he's still in prison and far from being set free. And um, what's cool about this is that folks in the golf world got involved. They read this story. They saw how golf uh, affected this, this guy's life, and they started pushing and they started making a few phone calls, and there's um, an, an outfit out of Georgetown University that deals with people that have been falsely accused and wrongly accused. And they got wind of this story, and then all of a sudden this thing started snowballing for Valentino, and they put his they put all of this information together, and it's man, it still took years, hmm. and he was just recently let go, set free. He got to reconnect with his wife. Of uh, There's a kind of a twist to this story as well. He had to reconnect with his wife. Hadn't seen her in 12 years. They get to spend time together, but she had expired the visa that she was allowed to stay in the U.S. with. And so she's got an immigration issue, and she can't come back Jeez. into the U.S. He can't go to Australia because he's a convicted felon because of a gun charge he had when he was a younger guy. So they got to spend two weeks <laughs> together in Mexico. Now they got to try to figure out how to get together. <laughs> But I gotta tell you, when I saw this and read this about golf and how that you know, that is just something that you just ah, it's it's almost like a fairy tale. Mm.
2: That's absolutely awesome. Where can you see some of the pictures? Some of the some of the what was it paintings, Jay, that he, he was Yeah, in? he
1: painted a tiger, did Augusta, mm-hmm. he did all sorts of different things. And look, the guy's not an artist. Yeah. It's just something that moved him and that he started creating and yeah. it was uh it's pretty cool. So just Google. Uh, Valentino Dixon, and uh, that information will come up, and you'll um, you'll you'll understand why that's such a a, a moving uh, story.
2: All the different ways golf can touch our lives. That's uh, that's that's one heck of an out there story to say the least.
1: You know, this week on tour is the uh, Bob Hope Desert Classic. That's what it used to be called when I was playing. That's what that's, I know it for. That's what you know it for. It's called the Desert Classic now. Back in the day, we had it was a pro-am format. Mm-hmm. With, it was five days of golf, four uh, four days and then a cut. Four days with amateurs. Now it's just called the Desert Classic. John Rahm's the defending champ. Um, and uh, they only play on two golf courses instead. I mean, of, how many
2: did uh, you play back back then?
1: We used to play four golf courses, and then the the last round would be either back at Bermuda Dunes or back at Indian Wells. So okay. it's only two golf courses. And um, one of the things that I miss about that, Pearl, is there was such a romanticism about having Bob Hope at the tournament. And he would have President Ford there. And he would—I remember seeing Jim McMahon playing in his bare feet and all these celebrities. I remember President Clinton coming down there. And and President Clinton has been involved in this tournament before. But I guess the takeaway that I think is really cool is— Think about this broad reach that golf has. Yeah. You're talking about an entertainer, one of the top entertainers probably of all time, did great USO work for the troops and in, in wartime, and Bob Hope, you've got presidents, you've got celebrities, and you know golf just has this allure in this that just grabs you, and whether you're good or not, it still makes you want to play it.
0: Yeah.
2: How does some of that, What what is the celebrity situation now, after it was called the Hope? Is there still... I don't, be-
1: I don't believe I think it's just a regular tour event okay. now. I think it's just a four-day no, no pro-am. event. I don't think there's a pro am. I don't think there's any of that going yeah. on. So um yeah, it's a you know, it's kind of the way of the modern tour. The yeah. PGA Tour now it's much more of a um corporate tour. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be. I mean, how the heck was the hope and that foundation going to come up with 8 10 million dollars to pay yeah. us? You yeah. know, they you know, we we felt like if they gave us lunch And some range balls and, you know, a little bit of money at the end of the day. It was a great start. Um, One of the things that I really loved about that event, playing the tour, it was usually the first event of the year. And so you're playing Mm. golf courses in Palm Springs. You know the weather down there. It's almost like playing indoors. The golf courses are perfect. No wind. They're short. And it's a a nice week as a tour player to kind of ease into the tour.
2: Well, some of the fun part, I remember being down with you. I think I caddy once or twice with you down there. But uh, just a little on the, on the side stories, I loved going and fishing in the, the different ponds that were uh, within the golf courses.
1: And, man, did they have some fish in there, bro.
2: That's some nice bass they in there. They some, some nice, real nice bass, bass in there.
1: Tell us a little bit about one memorable night. Uh, I, we were staying at my sister's uh, condo, staying right there at PGA West. Beautiful place right on the 5th and the 13th greens there. And I'm awoken in the middle of a deep sleep at probably 2.30 or 3 in the morning to hearing my— Ex-favorite caddy at the time, screaming and waking the house up.
2: I was howling. I was howling. I had no idea what was going on. Um, You know, caddy for the several days. uh, We were done for the week. And uh, just, uh, you know, tired sleeping. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm in so much pain. I'm thinking something's going to blow up inside me. And I am absolutely howling. You come running. Your sister comes running. My wife's going, like, what the heck is going on here? And for those out there that have had it, it was a kidney stone. And you talking about painful and unfortunately, it's the first of uh four for me and uh but it was one heck of a wake up call, so the ambulance came again, I'm thinking I'm dying. ambulance gets there and said, "No, you just threw your back out from carrying the bag
1: like a good player. I shifted modes quickly and went into caddy mode for my caddy and said, "I think this is a kidney stone if you and I remember like just I don't remember any of this touching his foot and he goes. Don't touch me. Don't anybody <laughs> touch me. And what happened? The paramedics came in, they lifted him onto the gurney and the pain subsided because it shifted and the thing moves just. A and those of here you than that there.
2: have had a kidney stone, it can happen that fast. And and it did. So now I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm worn out. Everybody else is worn out. <laughs> And uh, that's the end of the story. I'm not exactly sure why we told that story, but and I was
1: getting back to you from that that Shreveport <laughs> comment,
2: but what's the moral of that story? Uh, between the fishing trip and or the fishing in the in the kidney, we got a moral or something to take away from when you're playing tournament golf. I think I know. I think I know one. You got to enjoy it when you're out there. Not the kidney stone, but the fishing. So much of the time when you're not playing, that downtime, which could really kill me, you don't want to sit in front of the TV. You don't want to be out at some bar, you know, drinking you got to figure out something, and when you and I would go fishing and we'd go out and play catch, shoot that can in half, that type of thing, find something to kind of get your mind off on it because there's, there's plenty of challenge while you're playing.
1: Well, the best tip you can give any of our listeners out there is to really guard your mind and what's coming in. And if you're fearful and you have a hole that's upsetting you or you have a shot that you, you know, that thing, if you dwell on it the night before, that thing's going to be on Very you up. like a sweat, when you get to the golf course the next day, you really got to learn um, how to control that and how to kind of diffuse those moments.
2: Have a plan off the golf course to kind of get away from it and kind of recharge before the next round.
1: Yeah, Bob Rotella, who will be on the show as well, is a really cool, world-renowned sports psychologist, would say there's, you either think of golf in its absolute best terms or you don't think of it at all. I love it. Love that. Yeah, so if you guys can uh, can kind of put that into uh, practice, I think you're going to really, really enjoy your game much better. Um, that's going to do it. We're going to take a short break. That, that will be our On the Range segment. Come back and join us for the front nine.
0: Doster, Olam and Boyle, LLC are a proud sponsor of golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, Three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate finance and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam, and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam, and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam, and Boyle LLC, extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Are you in the market
1: for a new home? The St. Louis market has been incredibly. Competitive These last several years and you really need an expert on your side to help relieve the home buying stress. Do yourself a favor and call Joe Schiezer at 314-628-2015 anytime seven days a week for a no obligation loan consultation. Joe's been helping my family and I for over 25 years. He even helped my brother who lives in Florida purchase his home a few years back. About 20 years ago, I wanted to refinance my home. He suggested I go from a 30 year fixed to a 15 year fixed rate loan. Wow, did I save money, and what a smart move that was. Joe's been a loan officer for over 25 years and a top producer at USA Mortgage. He can quickly issue you a pre-approval letter for your purchase that day or handle your refinance quickly and conveniently. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and locally operated. All processing, underwriting, and closings take place right here in St. Louis. Call Joe Shiesa right now at 314-628-2015, NMLS number, 281-113. 281 Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. i got my caddy, Pearly, here. And we're going to the front nine. Please reach out to us with your questions, comments, requests at jdelsinggolf.com. at com. That's J-A-Y at J-A-Y-D-E-L-S-I-N-G-G-O-L-L-F dot com. Each week we'll select an email, we'll read it on air, and that winner will receive golf for two at Gateway National Golf Club. Compliments of Walters Golf Management.
2: Fantastic, Jay. This week's uh, winner is Billy G. from St. Louis. Mr. Delsing, I'm a really enjoy, I am really enjoying the show. If you were to tell someone the best way to improve their game, i.e. lower their score, what would your suggestion be?
1: Well, first of all, Billy, thanks for listening to the show, and I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, That's a great question. And aside from how to hit the ball further, it's probably the one I get asked most. And, um, you know, first of all, you have to understand your game. Is there a part of your game? Hank Haney calls it. Where's your big miss? Do you have the propensity to hit your driver out of play, meaning, you know, out of bounds, so you have make one swing and it costs you two more strokes. I mean, that's an absolute where we got to start, if that's the case. The other thing that you got to, you just hate making one swing and having it cost, costing you multiple strokes. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you're continually hitting balls out of play and hitting them into water hazards or something. That's one swing and another stroke added to it. So we've got to know your game and try to figure out what that is. And if that is the case, we've got to get a better strategy, okay? But let's say that's not the case. Let's say you're a nice player, you're about a 15 or 20 handicapper, you're not exceptionally long, but you know you just kind of you're not exactly sure where, where you do lose your, your strokes. Well, we're going to start from the green and work out to about 100 yards. Mm. The 19th hole, inevitably, when you're sitting around talking about your game and reminiscing, commiserating, whatever it might be, hopefully enjoying a, a good result, you can always go back to the green. And you can always go back to chipping, pitching, and putting. You know, there's a saying on tour. You look at the the leaders, Pearly. the leaders every year in greens and regulation on tour never hit more than 14, 14 and a half greens. Never. The, the leaders. The Correct. leaders. Correct. We're talking about the leaders. The We're not talking the about world. the average. The average is somewhere around 12 or, mm-hmm. or 12 and a half, 13, depending on the year. And so that means... There's a lot of up and down end to do, and that's reflective on your bunker game. That's reflective on pitching and chipping. We'll get into some really cool stuff about pitching and chipping. That's my wheelhouse. I love teaching that and talking about that, and we'll get into some of that. But you've got to figure out how to save strokes when you're not hitting it your best. And one of the things that – I had this really cool opportunity – I was playing in the Bob Hope. I mean, I was playing in the Gerald Ford tournament up in Vale. I had won that tournament one year before, so I asked, asked back every year. And I'm warming up, and I look. You know, how you can tell someone's kind of looking at you. You yeah. feel eyes on you. Turn around, and Yogi Berra and Whitey Ford awesome. are standing ten feet behind me. There's not five people watching us pros you know warm up, and I got two Hall of Famers. Mm. And I turned around, and I said, "Oh my gosh, guys, what?" what do y'all do? Where's your clubs? You know, what's happening? Uh, How are you? And they said, oh my, we didn't, we didn't mean to bother you while you were warming up like this was some sort of sacred ritual. I was like, man, if I could talk to you guys, let me in, you know? And they said, we just wanted to see how Jim and Roseanne were. Mm. That's my mom and dad. You know, my dad played for the 49 Yankees when they won the world series and made those friendships. And that was just a, um, a lasting memory that, um, was, uh, was fantastic.
2: Jay, I'm not sure I ever caddied in a tournament. I think this is 100% the case that somebody throughout the week didn't come up and ask about your dad or say that they were a fan of your dad's, that type of thing. Uh, that was just always fun, and I know you got a kick out of it, and I think they just loved kind of kind of uh, reaching out there and seeing his son playing.
1: Yeah, I, I, I did too. I, I'll tell you another story. He in the last group playing at the Hartford Open, and this is Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we are, there's nobody behind us. And I'm standing on the tee and we're probably two or three minutes from teeing off. And I hear this guy, Delsing, Delsing, Delsing. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my gosh, man, I'm trying to play, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and he's just relentless. And finally I'm like perturbed. And I go over there and this guy hands me a scroll uh, in perfect condition of the 1949 Yankee team with my dad on there. And I felt like, man, if I could have stuffed my head into my hat, mm-hmm. and then my hat into my mm-hmm. golf bag. I probably would have felt a little better because I just felt like such a creep. Because this guy was trying to do something nice yeah. for me. And, I mean, his timing wasn't exactly right, but right. one of the cool things that I have to this day, you know, one of those to your point, one of those memorabilia sort of things that um, was uh, was really cool. Well, there has been a huge leap in the power game in two thousand eighteen mm-hmm. on the PGA Tour. Typically, we see a yard or less than a yard difference in driving distance for the average tour player, but that was not the case in 2018. We saw an over four yard jump in the average distance that players are hitting it off the tee. And are you ready for these numbers? Incredible. I couldn't believe it when I saw this. The tour average off the tee Give me a guess. You follow the game. You love the game. Wow. You play. What is the average? Remember, 125 players. Yeah,
2: I know. I know. It's not, it's not the – they're not – they don't all, they all hit it good. They don't all bomb it. I'm going to say 290. It's 296.1
1: good guess. is the average. It's yep. a very good guess. This year, 14 players averaged 310 or more. Wow. Last year it was 7. 60 players, six zero players, topped 300 yards off the tee in 2018. 20 players up from last year. 40 mm. players hit last year.
2: Mm. Absolutely amazing.
1: It just makes you wonder, you know, what? what do you do with these golf courses?
2: Well, let me ask you, though. I hear this just around the club and through the years, guys talking – what is it? Is it the stronger players? Is it the better technique? Is it the shafts? Is it the club head? Is it the ball? Is it a combination of all those things?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a combination of all those what's things. The big, oh, what's no the, what's the
2: biggest change?
1: The biggest. Well, the biggest thing is the driver. The size of the driver, the sweet spot on the driver is the size of a quarter now, and it used to be the size of an eraser head. Yeah. And also the ball. The ball is an absolute missile, with characteristics that no one ever dreamed possible yeah the ball flies like a rocket and it spins like a ballada
2: with the other changed uh rules that we've seen this year do you think there's ever going to be something where there's more of a consistent ball of one ball so it can't go further or or do you think it's just too enticing the whole power game and they're just going to keep letting it go
1: i think they're going to keep letting it go the because pearly the litigiousness of our society and everybody wants to sue how the heck are you going to be able to you know the Ball companies will scream, yeah. and and the tour has tried before in the past to govern ourselves with the square grooves. We tried to outlaw the square grooves, we lost right. that. But any lawsuit the tour has ever been in, we have lost. Yeah,
2: well, so at the we, end of the day, too, the expense, the time, all the changes in the golf courses to keep the golf courses relevant. You know, a friend of ours from Northern California they're going to have host the uh, Curry event later this year at Lake Merced uh, golf course, and I talked to him the other night. And if you remember that course, Jay, it seemed kind of long because you're up there in in San Francisco, the the air is heavy, it's always coolish, the ground's always softish, certainly most of the time of the year, that type of thing. And it was 6,900-something. It was kind of long back in the day in the hills and all the trees around there. Well, they've cut a bunch of the trees down, and he said they're going to move it, I think he said, to 7,400 yards. I just had to laugh. Thinking, so man, it was so long before, and now it's just going to play for forever. Well, the
1: thing it will for you and I, but it won't for these great <laughs> players. But the thing that I remember, anytime I go to even Pebble Beach, is it's true sea level, yep. and you go, well, no, duh, no kidding, dude. But there's something about that cooler air, yep. the the ball, and they they've they've proven this before. When the temperature gets above eighty, the ball, this ball, performs even better. Yep. And there's definite um, – so you get those early morning tea times, Pearl, and you get those, you know, 55-degree kind of – you get some of that marine layer kicking in, no sun. Well, we
2: play We played so much golf together in California, especially Southern California uh, at UCLA through the years, and then a bunch of mini-tour golf there. Then I live in the desert over in Phoenix. You know, you play in practice over in Phoenix, and that 7-iron is going to do at the time whatever the heck it's doing for me. You know, probably one back then, 155, 160. You go and hit a solid seven iron at down at Long Beach or something. You know, the next day I fly in there. I mean, I'm ripping that thing trying to get it to 150, 152, and it just really messed with your head. You start swinging harder. You're out of whack. Nothing has the right feel. Um, so it's it's kind of relative. You know, 7,400 yards in the desert versus 7,400 yards in San Francisco is two different deals, even with the technology.
1: Completely different animals. And I, I had I had one doctor who was just confounded by golf, just didn't really understand the, how do you, you know, how are you standing out in the field and knowing how far to hit this ball off a a yardage? And um, I can remember him saying to me, he watched me two weeks in a row and said, you hit your nine iron at Pebble beach and it only went 135 yards. I said, that's right. And he said, then you go to the next week in Phoenix and it's 90 degrees and your nine iron is going 155 yards. And I said, yep. That's right. And he said, "How do you know that?" I said, "It's really simple. When I'm up at Pebble Beach, my 8 iron's too much from 135 and my wedge isn't enough. And <laughs> <laughs> when I go down to, to to Scottsdale, it's the same thing. My wedge isn't going to get me to 155 and my 8 iron's going to take me too far. Yeah. It's that simple. It's that feel that runs through you and, you know, that's from playing a lot and that's but but that's the way tour players play yeah. you know they look at their yardage but they'll still still chunk that yardage book and throw out that information and go with their feel a hundred percent of the time when it's necessary
2: well another place I respect the tour players moving to the from the from the desert to the coast too colder, to too warmer to all those different conditions and still playing great golf I'll tell you that 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 was I got to travel a lot and have a lot of experience and I never did get that figured out it was always a toughie so I think that's a big deal.
1: All right, we are going to have our picks coming up for the Farmers Insurance Open down at Torrey Pines.
2: We got to play some fun tournaments down there. I had one of my best college tournaments ever uh, down at Torrey Pines. I think it's, like, very different back then when we played, though.
1: (laughs) I think it's, like, twice as long as uh, you and I uh, played it. What a um, beautiful place, though. Yeah, it's a beautiful property. They play both the north and the south course. And I am going to go way out on a limb and pick Tiger Woods. I would love, love, love to see him jump out of the gate he's won the tournament oh multiple times well plus to... different
2: versions u.s open there this tournament there 2008 that he won a the bunch open of amateur Rocco. events i think he won there that's right so yeah. i'm gonna
1: go with tiger woods just because i want him to win
2: yeah well uh that that would be super exciting and uh, i know i picked him last week but i'm picking him again this week Cameron Champ, and yes, I'm going to pick him until he wins, I think. This guy's exciting. He flat bombs it. I still don't think too many people know about him out there. They're get, starting to give him a little bit more publicity. I like some of the interviews, the awareness that he's got kind of in his game now. He realizes kind of what he did wrong earlier on in his career, his expectations, etc. And I think the kid's really kind of getting a hand, uh, handle on it, and this could be exciting. There's some cool players coming up through the ranks, and this is definitely one of them.
1: No, no question about it. I can't wait to see what this young man does.
0: Doster, Olam, and Boyle LLC are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate finance and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam and Boyle, LLC. Extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.
1: Let me tell you about what's happening at the Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery. They have the largest selection of Lazy Boy and Flex Steel furniture in the area. They also have sofas starting at just $377. The Kingstown King Size Ultra Premium Mattress Sets, so a $2,500 value, now just 9.97 while they last. In stock Mohawk carpet for just 99 cents a square foot. You can call them at 618-639-9858 or find them online at www.jerseyvillecarpetfurniture.net.
0: Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Prost! I got a big
1: shout-out and a thank you to Whitmore Country Club for supporting my golf show. I don't know if you know, Whitmore Country Club has 72 holes of golf. There's a 24-hour fitness center and has an extremely large pool complex. This is a family-friendly country club to belong to. There's a kids' club in the main clubhouse right near the fitness center. There are golf leagues, skinned games, members, tournaments, couples, events are available all year long. If you join at Whitmore, you also get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. And the cart fees are already included in that membership. There are no food or beverage minimums, no assessments. Go out and see my friend Bummer out in the clubhouse. He is an absolute jewel and a wonderful guy that will tell you all you need to know. Or you can call Whitmore at 636 926 Nine six two two.
2: The Momentum Builders help business leaders compete in the big leagues. Professional athletes and Fortune 500 CEOs work with a coach on technique, strategy, and mental preparation. How about you? Or are you going it alone? Maybe it's time to change things up and bring in a pair of fresh eyes. Consider making the Momentum Builders part of your team. View our website at themomentumbuilders.com or email us at john at momentumbuilders.com golf with jay listeners your first meeting is complimentary
1: welcome back to golf with jay delsing i'm your host jay i got my semi-favorite caddy pearly oh here we go here we go and join us now for the back nine we started a story at the top of the show about shreveport
2: we ended the story as we were leaving the the clubhouse we were kind of out on the main road and uh, you threw out the question after a tough, tough round of 76 to open up the tournament.
1: I'm not sure I'll ever make another cut in my career again.
2: And after about a 10-second pause, neither one of us looking at either one of us, I threw out there, I'm not sure you are either.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I've ever laughed harder in my life. I, I remember having some tears rolled down my eyes, but I was also thinking, like, Man, thank God you're my friend. That sucked. I could have used like a little, something
2: a little nicer. So how did the rest of the day go? You remember how the rest of the day went from that? Remember we were staying in my uh, my parents' friends at this kind of cool but old cabin on some back bayou. Little musty. Yeah. Little, little fish. Little fish
1: campy. Yep. So yep. we got
2: we got back to camp. More so. I think than we th-
1: found beer. Yes. No question. We found a BB gun. No question. <laughs> we both decided I, I probably couldn't die by a self-inflicted BB gun wound, so that wasn't any good. And I think we found some a baseball
2: mitt and a. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And so we went back there and just kind of commiserating. We kind of, you know, it's it's hard for both of us. Obviously, I want you to play. I'm I'm excited on the good shots, and I'm dying every second of the way on the tough shots when you're having tough shots. So I remember we sat around and had a couple of beers. Yep. Sat on that old, that old bench back there, the cabin to our back, looking out into the bayou. And that's where all that, that you know, that, that moss, I'm not sure what all that's called. the that moss is hanging back there. Like from, Spanish
1: moss. From, from, those, from yeah.
2: those cedar trees that are kind of out in the water. And it's, I mean, you're thinking a pirate could have come. <laughs> uh, our alligators were there. Sasquatch. Sasquatch, yeah. for sure. And just sat there. And all of a sudden, you know, we had a couple beers. And it said, hey, it's time to get the gun out. So we, we grabbed the gun. Uh, again, BB gun. And uh, took a f- string we found and hung it from a, a tree limb, and we just kept shooting and shooting and shooting. And I believe we wanted to keep shooting until we shot that that can in half, and we sure did. We we did that. I'm not sure what we thought that accomplished exactly. I don't know. So not, not
1: it didn't accomplish a whole hell of a, a whole hell of a lot, except it probably was good for another two or
2: three beer each. There you go. And so we were relaxed, yep, kind of getting back in the mood of how we're going to do this tomorrow. We still got to go out there, and you know what, Jay. We're buddies, but one thing that was fun for me to caddy for you, you never gave up. There's probably a few times you should have. You never gave up. You were tough. You hung in there. So that, Not
1: smart t- enough to quit. Well, I think that's my
2: problem. Uh, then that, that's a good thing to not be smart enough about. But I, I just, I love that about you. And that kind of another reason it always made it fun, because with that attitude, you're never out of it. So from there, I don't know how it started exactly, but next thing I know, I got that mitt in my hand. I throw a wedge at you, and this grass is that What is the kind of grass it's is that? It's at
1: St. Augustine. It's very thick-bladed. It's about five or six inches long, and it's not conducive to golf much.
2: So we had, what, an acre back there, something yeah. like that, that butts up against the lake. I go out there, and I just said, hey, we got a half dozen golf balls. Throw those balls down in that tall, nasty grass. And I said, just chip them to me. I'm going to catch these things. You're looking at me like, Perley, <laughs> what, what are you thinking about? Why are you doing this? But, hey, we're out there. We got all kinds of time to kill. And it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, I remember at the end of it,
1: I was hitting lob shots. You were chasing them down, making basket catches over your head. We had a, we had a great time. And um...
2: But I was calling the shot. I would say, low, I'd hide behind a tree, then I'd pop out from a tree, and you know, I'd say, you got two seconds to hit me with a low draw out of that crappy lie with a dang sand wedge or middle wedge, whatever it was yep. at the time, yep. in your hand. And you could just see you kind of get that feel and kind of get into that player mode in that that athletic uh, aspect of it, and there was no thinking allowed because it was a little bit late in the day. We'd had a a few beers, and we were just kind of all warmed up and ready to roll. Yeah, and then we went out to the
1: golf course. We had a great night's rest. We went out to the golf course, and I proceeded to go down the 10th hole, hit a nice drive, a nice iron shot in there, about 15 feet, and three-putt. Perfect. I think that's when I heard the car start.
2: (laughs) Well, that was that was absolutely tough. But again, we just kind of kind of looked at each other like, "Hey, let's just kind of keep on going." Do you remember the feel? I do. from then on. <clears throat> so, so talk about that. I
1: do. So I I remember making uh, eight birdies from yep. that point on. I shot the low round of the day. I shot 65 in kind of blustery, rainy conditions. Kind of blustery, rainy. So kind of. Yeah, and they weren't weren't ideal. And uh, and I do remember winding up finishing like third or fourth in the tournament. Yep. Uh, with one of the more interesting shots I've ever hit in my life, when I chipped the ball out of the woods and hit the backside of the curb and went back into a hazard, which is a time for a whole other segment. So after that huge story.
2: comeback, you actually got a chance to, to win, and all of a sudden get a kind of a funky bounce with an eight iron from a par four that goes down the hill, and we're in semi swamp and don't know where the borderline is for the hazard. Hit the back of that cart path lip, and I'm going, like, "You got to be kidding me." Knock at eight, and then you still make a comeback and make a whole bunch more birdies. But kind of the coup de grace to me, one of the fun parts at the end was the last hole. You remember how you played the last hole there?
1: I sure do. I had driver and some sort of iron and downhill
2: iron. seven iron from uh, one ninety five. Okay, one ninety five. I'm looking at like... you like Jay seven iron, and I'm, I'm looking because I would never say that as a caddy. He was sure. He says, "Give me the seven iron," and he's got to hit this. It's completely carry over the lake.
1: It's kind of an island type green down there. So? I knocked it on the green somewhere, probably about 20, 30 feet from the hole, and I hold the putt for eagle. I do remember that. <laughs>
2: Bingo. That was one heck of a fun finish. Huge comeback again uh, to one heck of a tournament.
1: Well, that, that's the, 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 the end was much better <laughs> than the beginning of that story. But one of the things I remember doing, Pearl, and I want this to go down as the tip of the day for folks, is there mm-hmm. was a, a course management move that we made together on a really difficult par 3. I didn't like anything about this par three it didn't sit up well for me it didn't and so what we did is we made some rules no matter where the flagstick was located i was going to aim at the left side of the green it's what about 215 yard and the right side of the green was just x you know just went down to a deep pit and some water and things down there and i don't ever remember hitting any shot that i would consider spectacular even above necessarily above average Mm -hmm. But I do remember hitting the green probably three of the four days and Mm -hmm. playing the whole two under par. But the moral of this story is get out of your head a way you think you have to play a certain hole and play it to try to save yourself. From these big numbers, especially if you're going out and your T shots uncomfortable and you know, you, you you have a tendency to miss your driver to the right and there's water to the right. Get that three wood in your hand, folks. Get that ball in play. You will be shocked at how many parts and, and maybe even a birdie or two that you can make by changing the strategy. And what it does to you as a player, oh my gosh, it just relieves so much of the stress that you're feeling over this one shot so you knew ahead of of time what you were going
2: to do we didn't have to think at the time you knew ahead of time you were relaxed when you went up there there was hardly any discussion and you and you pulled it off that was a lot of fun and we learned a lot about that and used that idea in other other weeks for sure and
1: there's always at least a hole per nine that you play that you're going to find that hopefully there's only one hole per nine yeah so maybe there will be more so (laughs) um well there's sports and uh gambling has been legalized In the country, and this is gonna there's there's a huge opportunity and a huge amount of people that want golf and the PGA Tour to be involved. Our commissioner has embraced it. It's um it's gonna happen, and I think it'd be kind of cool for us to come up with a pick each week, and uh, that's what we're gonna do. So, um, for the um, the Desert Classic, Mm -hmm. my pick is the defending champ John Rahm, currently world number six, ranked six in the world.
2: Well, you can talk about John Rahm in a second. I'm picking Cameron Champ. Uh, yeah, a long shot. He's 92nd. He moved to 81st after last week. The guy bombs it. Just, I think, a fascinating player to watch in the future, and I want to start watching him right now because he's got to break out at some point.
1: Well, he's got his first win already, and uh, he's moved up to 81st in the world. He's got a long way behind yeah. John Rahm, but we'll see what happens. Very good. That'll do it for the back nine.
0: Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf, with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Prost!
1: Are you in the market for a new home? The St. Louis market has been incredibly competitive these last several years, and you really need an expert on your side to help relieve the home-buying stress. Do yourself a favor and call Joe Schieser at 314-628-2015 anytime, seven days a week, for a no-obligation loan consultation. Joe's been helping my family and I for over 25 years. He even helped my brother, who lives in Florida, purchase his home a few years back. About 20 years ago, I wanted to refinance my home. He suggested I go from a 30-year fixed to a 15-year fixed rate loan. Wow, did I save money, and what a smart move that was. Joe's been a loan officer for over 25 years and a top producer at USA Mortgage. He can quickly issue you a pre-approval letter for your purchase that day or handle your refinance quickly and conveniently. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and locally operated. All processing, underwriting, and closings take place right here in St. Louis. Call Joe Schieser right now at 314-628-2015, NMLS number two eight one 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 three.
2: The Momentum Builders help business leaders compete in the big leagues. PGA Tour players, NFL quarterbacks, MLB pitchers, and Fortune 500 CEOs work with a coach on technique, strategy, and mental preparation. How about you, or are you going it alone? How are you handling the competition, the challenges, and opportunities you face daily? Are you realizing your dreams or tossing and turning all night in preparation for another long, stress-filled day fighting fires, too often the same fires you put out last month? Maybe it's time to change things up and bring in a fresh pair of eyes. Consider making the Momentum Builders part of your team. We look forward to hearing about your wins, losses, concerns, and exciting opportunities. Please view our website at themomentumbuilders.com or email us at john at themomentumbuilders.com golf with jay listeners your first meeting is complimentary
1: do you folks know about whitmore country club 72 holes of golf if you join at whitmore country club you get access to the missouri bluffs the links to dardine and the golf club of wentzville and card fees are included in that they have a 24-hour fitness center a large pool complex kids club in the main clubhouse golf league skins games members tournaments this is a family-friendly atmosphere and a wonderful country club to belong to. Call them at 636-926-9622. Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. Um, this is our fourth segment. We like to call it the 19th hole, one of my favorite components of the round of golf where you're hanging out with your buddies and and friends and wives and girlfriends and um, having a cold one and talking a little bit about how the round went and how the day went, what you did and didn't do, and Maybe some laughter, definitely some tears. But um, we had a great interview with Brett Hull, and um, we are going to break that interview down a little bit and talk about some of the specific things that Brett kind of brought to light for us. So have a listen.
3: Growing up, uh, Bobby Hull's son uh, in Canada um, and playing hockey like uh, up there, it's like breathing. And to try to uh, live up to the expectations that ignorant people have. Uh, you know, how many millions of times I heard, boy, why isn't he as good or why isn't he better than he is? He's Bobby Hull's son. And, uh, you know, to, to try to have to fight through that kind of mental stuff and uh, maintain confidence in yourself and, and be able to look at yourself. And, and, you know, it happened when I was 15. I just looked at myself and said, you know, you're Brett Hull. And, you know, there's only one Bobby Hull. And, and I mean, thank God for that. Uh, and and so, so stop trying to be him and just be you and make your own way. And, and I did that. And so when it did happen, I, I always said I was, I'm very proud uh, to stand with one foot in my dad's shadow and, and cast my own at the same time.
1: Wow. Uh, clearly, folks... My favorite part of the interview, and um, I, I, I know this to, like, 1%. My dad was a professional baseball player. I felt pressure about certain things, but I went into golf, and it was baseball. Just try to put yourself in his shoes. At 15 years old, your father is one of the iconic figures in the history of the NHL. The history of the NHL, the Golden Jet. Bobby Hall and to hear these adults say things about you that you know the, the the mental toughness and the ability to as Brett said in other parts of the interview let things roll off his back and not get to him oh man that's just that's just incredible it is really really incredible and um how many, here here's another thing for you to think about how many Father-son combinations are in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you're talking about none. I mean, you're talking about just the select of the select few. And um, hats off to Brett for that transparency, that honesty. That was um, well, it was just a fantastic, my favorite part of the interview by far. And I really appreciate him sharing uh, that with us. So we have some other really cool excerpts as well there. Not quite as... Uh, Meaty is that, uh, but they're also a lot of fun. There's one point where we were talking a little bit about that time that golf just bites you. you. You're you're new, you're into the game, and you hit this shot, and you just never forget it, and you just can't wait to do it again. And listen to how Brett described that.
3: Oh, that's absolutely the way it is. You know, hit that one, and the ball goes. It goes exactly where you're looking. And you you didn't even feel like you hit it. It, it. it you hit it so perfectly in that sweet spot, and you know you you took the perfect amount of divot, and it, everything was just you know it, it's like heavenly. If You see angels when that happens, and you're right. You're going oh, what? If I, and I still say it to this day. I go, oh, if I could just bottle that swing, I'd be uh, I'd be on the senior tour.
1: Oh my gosh, that is just. A description The thing that I just keep going back to, I've listened to this interview so many times. I just keep going back to the passion that Brett has for this game, and um, you know, why he was such a great hockey player because he clearly had that same kind of passion once he got on the ice. He, he talked about that a little bit, but to describe the uh, seeing angels, I've I mean, I've been around this game a long, long time and I've heard Almost everyone described that one moment, you know, where they actually got bitten by this game and it hasn't let go of them. But to to see Angels was great. And one of the other things, meet I think that's kind of cool that that happens to us all is you don't conquer this game. You know, Michael Jordan, I just read an excerpt on, on Michael Jordan. He talked about he could conquer basketball, but he knows he's never, ever going to be able to conquer golf. And Brett said the same thing. And for competitive guys, I mean, you're thinking about, you know, we got a lot of egos. We got a lot of pride in these rooms with these guys that are playing. It's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, there's that thirst that just keeps you coming back. I remember a couple weeks ago, Cujo joined our station, and he was talking about Holy back in the day and how he almost looked bored out there on the ice because he was so good. And it's amazing to hear that in the level that he played in the NHL. And then golf, his kind of second love now after hockey, he just can't get enough because he hasn't gotten to that level yet where you can dominate it. And that's what's amazing about the game is it's a game that is so hard for anybody to grasp like that.
1: I got to tell you a cool story. I was 22. 20- three years old, just got my PGA Tour card and I'm playing out of Pebble Beach at the it used to be called the Bing Crosby Clambake, which is really a cool name but, <laughs> you know, you're looking at me like what's wrong with you? That, that's the dumbest name ever but it was really cool and there used to be celebrities and, and, you know these guys just walking around all the time and at the time, Dr. J was one of my heroes. You know, I still remember those windmill dunks right. and all of those cool matchups he had with Larry Bird and just some great great basketball and great um, uh oh, man, so I see him. We're into. We're having breakfast, and I see him, and I'm like, man, that's Julius Erring. How cool is that? So, you know, I'm kind of spying on him and kind of stalking him a little bit. And um, we go out, and we happen to be um, hitting balls next to each other. So I'm warming up to play, and he is. And he couldn't hit the ball out of this room. <laughs> oh, man, I felt so bad. I was like, Julius is, I mean, he couldn't get the ball in the air. He was, it was, you know, it was almost like this beautiful, uh, willowy body that would just dominate the basketball court gets on this iconic golf course and's like, man, I don't know what to <laughs> just do. Lost. Yeah, I just don't know what to do. I can't run. I can't jump. His hands look like they wrapped around the grip of the golf club like four times. <laughs> His hands were so big. And I was like, oh, man, this has got to be. So you think about that, you know, and here's a guy that was just unbelievable on, yep. the, on the hard all world and just all world and just could do it all could shoot the jumper he could you know just could, could jump out of the gym just a amazing guy to watch and now he's got to go out and play golf in front of people and, and play like this i mean that's got to be some bruise to the ego
0: man but it's got to boost your ego a little bit seeing your hero right next to you and you kind of you know i, I buck know up
1: I, a little i bit. couldn't <laughs> believe some of that. like i can remember one time going into um uh the AT&T and, you know, like all the celebrities and the pros were all eating there, having breakfast and stuff together. And I, you know, I'm not really paying any attention and I'm having a uh, breakfast with Justin Timberlake, but I didn't know it was Justin Timberlake. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, and he's talking to me. He's like, where are you playing today? You know, I'm like eating. I'm like, I'm, I'm playing at Pebble. Where are you playing? You know, just trying to be nice, but I'm, right. and I'm not really that, that guy when it comes to people like that. But, um, my, uh, uh, I walked out of there and i with my caddy. And I'm, you know, my caddy's waiting for me at the entrance. And Justin walked down behind me. And, and my caddy's like, That's Justin Timberlake. I'm like, Who? He's like, That's Justin Timberlake. You know who he is? I go, No, I just had breakfast with him. You know, so I told my daughters, and they're like, What? So mad at you. Dad, you're such a doofus. I'm like, I was just eating. I don't know. It's JT. How do you not know? I Come know, on, Jay. I know who he is now, though, but now it's, you know, it's too late. And, but, um, we had a couple other things this Brett Hole interview we wanted to talk about. He makes a really funny comment and I'd really love to hear uh you guys reach out to us, Jay at J dot com about the handicap system. Listen to what Brett has to say. He's a, a very good player, a scratch or a little better, and uh here's what he has to say about the handicap system.
3: Well I'm a one handicap right now and uh you know I you know, I, I kinda think the you know, if I don't know a guy, I'm not going to play him for money because, you know, they've got those apps on the phone, the gin app. And, uh, you know, you, you can be having lunch with your wife and, and just click on that thing and just say you shot 80 at some course. I mean, it's, uh, you, you know, there's no proof that, you know, what you shot or, or verification. So, uh, you know, I, I would say about 90% of everyone's handicap out there is, is bogus. So uh, by at least a couple of shots.
1: You know, it's very interesting. So I did this interview with Holly, and I went and talked to a couple other people, and that's pretty much a, uh, a predominant thought when it comes. You know, there's, there, we go to make things so easy for us. You know, mm-hmm. we want an app on our phone. We want to this. We can order dinner from the phone. We can do just about any doggone thing we, we can think of from the phone. And now it turns out that guys are taking advantage of that and going, <laughs> well, I really shot 87, but I'm going to put 84 two in there i shot a you know 97 and i'm putting a 77 in there so you know i guess one of the things meat that's really cool about the game i know you're just getting started into it but it's you're going to realize that there's something about the game that requires your honesty Hmm. there's something about that where you're playing in an event and if you break a rule or think you break a rule or even it's it's so different than all these other sports i was talking to my nephew taylor Twelman, he was talking about, you know, look, if if I'm off sides and the linesman misses it and I score a goal, it's a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, I might know I'm off sides, but it's just one of those things. I wasn't obviously trying to be off sides, but it's, you know, there's that human element in there. Right. But there's something about this where you are your own policeman, like you are your own watching the rules. I can remember I was playing down in Mississippi, and I really thought I broke a rule, and I didn't sleep at all the night before. And I didn't, I wasn't comfortable enough on tour. It was my rookie year on tour. I didn't know, I didn't know the officials. And I went out the next day in the third round and I shot like a 77. And it was all because my mind was just, man, I felt guilty at him. So I wound up after the 77, I wound up finding a, an official and telling him what happened. And he was like, no, nah, I don't, I don't think you broke the rule, you know? And I, it took me, I had to throw away a round. Right. And, you know, money and an event because I didn't really know the procedure, but it—it's just the strangest thing. I had this thing happen to me at the Old Anheuser Bush Golf Classic in um, Williamsburg, Virginia. I had hit my ball into this hazard, but we went down and we found it, and it looked like it was in some high brush, but it was on a little pathway. And I thought, well, hell, I—I I can get in there with my wedge and I can just get it out, knock it on the green, maybe make a par. My caddy was like, yeah, this—you know—hit it over this way, so. I took this mighty swing with my wedge, and I'm looking up, I'm looking up. And as I'm looking up, I feel this little tick hit my shoe. Uh-huh. Don't think anything of it at the time. I'm looking up, and my caddy's like, where the hell did the ball go? I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought you were watching. I don't know. I know I hit it. Well, it it didn't go anywhere. Never went. It got caught in the bush or something, hit a rock, whatever it did. And it's sitting down there. It's not touching my foot, but it's sitting down there by my foot. And I'm like... Oh, no. (laughs) That little tick I felt.
0: Makes you second guess everything. Had
1: to be the ball. So I call a rules official and he goes, Did you see it hit your foot? I go, Nope. And he goes, Well, technically, you know, it's your call. I go, Well, what else could it have been? He goes, Look, I'm not in the, that's not my decision. Right. So I gave myself a two shot penalty because I'm like, Had to be it. My caddy's looking at me like, But you know what? Couldn't, I couldn't live with it. You know, so you make a couple extra thousand bucks, but
0: meh, couldn't do it. That's amazing. No other sport is like that. No other sport are they going to walk up a referee to Steph Curry and say, "Hey, did you reach in? Did you make contact yeah. on that?" And he's going to penalize himself. That I, I can't even comprehend the mental hurdles that you have to overcome in your head, like you talked about, weighing in the back of your mind for an entire day, um, an entire brutal. weekend.
1: I did, I did, and I didn't sleep for at all the (laughs) night before I was like man are you a cheater you know are you doing this and I and there are there are times where you'll break rules and not even know it
0: right well we had that last year right somebody called in while watching on television and complained about a rule and then it was they're doing that
1: kind of they've done that stuff for years I remember playing down at Doral and Paul Azinger who we're going to have on the show after February 3rd per his NBC contract now he um he's leading the tournament after two rounds and um uh zing's always been a friend we played prex runs and things like that together now we get to work together with fox a little bit and so i look and then all of a sudden i see up he's not leading in he's not on the board anymore and i'm like what so i i text him and he's like i got dq'd he was standing in he had hit his drive on, i don't know if you know the 18th hole the blue monster down in Dural. it is a beast and there's water all along the left, and he hit his balls to the left. But it, did, it didn't go in the water, but he had to stand in the water. Okay. Okay? So he's standing in the water, and he's, you know, you know how we make our little gyrations, we're waggling yeah. the club. That, Getting a groove, yeah. Yeah, trying to get a little footing in there. It's a little, Well, he kicks a rock out of the way, inadvertently. It's right on te- television. He kicks a rock out of the way. No one knew it. Somebody <laughs> called in. They go back to the replay, and they go, it's called building your stance. You right. can't do that, and he gets DQ'd. Because, now if, now, if they would have called in, and said, "Hey, dude. This is you got to take a look at this right. before he signs his card, Brad. He's fine, but they didn't do it, or they didn't get wind of that. Whatever, it didn't get to the officials till after he signed his card. So you can't. That's the old rules. They've gone back and <clears> – <throat> Excuse me. They've gone back and fixed this this up a little bit. Right. They're not. They're not going to do that to people anymore. And it, it's." It's really bogus. Yeah, you have to use you, reasonable the, judgment. I, exactly. I mean, and there has to be some form of intent involved in here too, right? Yeah. So um, we to just, maybe just one more quick thing. We don't even need to go to the excerpt, but I'll just tell you, Brett Hall has made eight hole-in-ones. That's amazing. And that is just <laughs> incredible. And um, if you ever get to play with him, if you ever get to see him, he hits a lot of straight shots. And um, that's um, uh, an amazing uh, number of hole-in-ones and a, and a great feat and uh a tribute to to Holly and again thank him for coming on the show His uh, candor as always is uh is greatly appreciated and I uh, can't wait to to um, to get to see him and have the weather turn a little bit and to get us out <laughs> swinging again so um that's fantastic and that's going to wrap it up for the 19th hole and our edition this edition of golf with Jay Delsing hit him straight St. Louis
0: That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday from 7 to 8 for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101espn.com as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.
3: Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors,